A simple way to take measure of a country is to look at how many want in and how many want out. Tony Blair. Chapter 2. I am my grandfather's American dream. If you were to get to know me well enough, it would make perfect sense to you why I'm so passionate about our God-given freedoms and rights to move freely, choose as we wish, and earn a living how we want. I was born in a small Eastern European country called Romania, a place where by being born there, you are destined to be indoctrinated with the history of communism, which ruled that country for the better part of the 20th century. Most Westerners, especially Canadians and Americans, are taught from a young age that their two countries and their militaries were why Europe successfully ended World War II. This It's fundamentally true, and nobody would ever dispute that the reason why Adolf Hitler was unsuccessful at conquering Europe was because of the sacrifice America and Canada made to help their European friends and allies like France and England. And I'm not going to get very political about the following statement I'm about to make. However, in freeing Western Europe from the clutches of Nazi Germany, one of the downside effects was that Eastern European countries, not just Romania were largely forgotten and left to fend for themselves after having been invaded by an ideology, some would say, caused more debts globally than Nazi Germany, and that is Russian communism. After World War II ended in 1944, Russian-sponsored communism began to form roots east of the Berlin Wall, and Germany was divided in half. One part was communist, and the western part remained democratic and free. My birth country of Romania was one of the several countries east of Germany, which was initially invaded by Germany, but then quote-unquote liberated by the Russian army during the war. Of my two grandfathers, the one who raised me witnessed his village being bombed as a young teenager during World War II. He saw the villagers, including his home and family property, taken over and used by the Germans first and then the Russians. By the way, going off script here, if you're seeing what's happening in, uh, in Ukraine, how the Russians in 2022 were moving into villages and towns and taking over and doing unconscionable things uh, to people's homes and their family members and their friends, this is what was happening at the time. And the Germans did this in Romania, and then the Russians liberated this country to then do it again. His oldest brother died, so my grandfather's oldest brother died from sustaining head injuries after one of the bombings from smashing his head on the side of the barn to make matters worse his father so my great-grandfather who was the same age as i am now okay was taken away from his wife and six children alongside all the other village men of working age and taken to a russian gulag where he was a prisoner of war and forced to do heavy slave labor for three years He did make it back to his family, but he was never the same. I used to press my grandfather for more stories when I was a kid because I was fascinated at the sheer difference between what he experienced as a young boy and the safe environment I was born into. At the time, I didn't understand why he would cycle through the same stories and never never offer any more detail. But now I know that he must have had post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, from what he witnessed during the war. For sure, his dad definitely had that. My other grandfather, I never got to know my other grandfather well. I only met him a few times and I only remember meeting him probably, I would say three to four times before he passed away uh, in the early nineties. 
Like my grandfather who raised me and who became a police officer under the new regime because he was un- he was not allowed to leave and run away to America, which he did try. My other grandfather was a few years younger and grew up during the war and famine. Nevertheless, by the time he was in his late 40s, he had become a decorated colonel in the Romanian Army of Corps Engineers. He was primarily responsible for overseeing, managing, and maintaining a third of Romania's military bunkers and army bases. If anyone knew the secrets of that country and understood its military power, strengths, weaknesses, it was him. Although a very healthy man, he mysteriously succumbed to cancer shortly after the fall of communism in 1989. We found out many years later from one of his childhood friends whom he grew up with and trusted back in his village that during the revolution of 1989, so a few years before his death, he narrowly escaped an assassination attempt on his life. We knew this wasn't a far-fetched theory because even though he was a military career man in a country under a communist regime, he was known to be pro-democracy and was an outspoken critic of Romania's communist leaders. In the summer of 1991, only 18 months later, after the uh, the collapse of, of, of communism in December of 1989, I remember attending his military funeral in his village in northeast Romania where he had a parade with a band and a 21-gun salute. We still think to this day that he had his food poisoned in good old classical Russian uh, KGB communist fashion right after the revolution, and that's what triggered the cancer cells that were dormant in his body to activate and end his life in a short amount of time. He may have died from that same type of cancer later on in his life, but we think the cancerous cells were activated much sooner by uh, the poison that he ingested. I am my grandfather's American dream. While I was growing up, I would hear tidbits of stories of both my grandfather's lives and the common thread between both of these men was at one point or another after World War II and during their lives as adults, they both attempted to escape communist Romania but could not. As Canadians, we always seem to take our freedoms and right to move about for uh, granted, even though in the book I wrote guaranteed, but you know they should be guaranteed, forgetting or simply being unaware that there are countries out there that prevent their citizens from leaving. North Korea is a perfect example of that. Romania, between the years of 1944 and 1989, was precisely one of, the, one of these countries. Ask any Romanian you meet who has immigrated to Canada or the United States or even Europe before 1990, and you won't hear a story about how they got on a plane and left. Instead, You will hear about how they smuggled themselves out of the country in some train cart, the trunk of a vehicle, or even jumped the border fence into the neighboring country. Imagine fighting to leave your country. You know, there's a lot of talk about immigration in in, in countries like the United States, how people come into the country illegally. Imagine it being illegal to leave your country. Okay. Luckily, I, uh, when, when my family and I immigrated to Canada, we, we were fortunate enough to, to fly in. We, we did everything legally. So we didn't have to, to, to smuggle ourselves out of the country. But to be honest with you, I remember 1998 and, and leaving Romania kind of felt like that. You know, it felt like I, I'm leaving this place behind legally and I'm probably not going to return here for a long time. And I didn't. It is one thing to see the modern-day migration of people walking across the border into Canada or the United States after having embarked on a harrowing journey from the country they left, but it's another different feeling you get if you imagine that you could not physically be allowed to leave Canada, even if the United States would allow you in. Both of my grandfathers never made it to the United States, 
And neither did millions of other Romanians who were caught and even punished by the communist authorities for attempting to escape their own country. That just sounds ludicrous. Watching a dictator be executed. Less than eight years before my family immigrated to Canada, a revolution take, uh, took place in Romania and other parts of Eastern Europe. Most Westerners who have a basic knowledge of what happened in December of 1989 will remember the main event that was televised throughout the world, which was the downfall of the Berlin Wall. The, sig- the significant and symbolic event took place in Germany, where the Germans decided to reunite their country after almost 45 years of being separated. Similar revolutions and communist regime takedowns happened around Europe, including in Romania. Most children I grew up with all remember their earliest memory as something that would sound pleasant to everyone else. It may have been when they were four years old and their parents got them a bunny rabbit. Others may have been three years old and they remember their first time flying on a plane. Other young people don't remember much about the early childhood until they turn five or six. I was three years old in one month when I was sitting next to my grandmother and watching on television live the communist dictator Nicolae Ceausescu and his wife be put up against the wall by a Romanian military firing squad and executed after they were found hiding inside a tank not far from the presidential palace. Nowadays, if you Google his name or YouTube the event, you will see that same video I saw as my earliest memory, but on national television at the time. I remember at the time not being faced by it. Usually as a kid, you're not. You just kind of, you see it and then, and then you just don't remember for many years. My grandparents sort of watched it, took it all in and went on with their lives. I do remember my father walking in after having to avoid the revolution crowds in the center of the city saying, they shot Ceausescu, after which my grandparents replied with, we know after that, they never spoke of it ever again. It wasn't until I was about 19 that a conversation with my parents about that time triggered me to remember it. You see, at first they didn't believe me. They thought I must have seen that video somewhere much later. After all, we had YouTube and it must have confused me. It wasn't until I told them that I remembered that on that Christmas day in 1989, the same day that Romanian communist dictator was executed and how it was televised on national television, my grandparents had a pipe burst in the bathroom of their apartment and the floors were partially flooded. I even recalled where the water was leaking from in the wall. If I hadn't recalled that broken pipe, they would have not believed me. Instead, they were shocked that at barely three years old, I remember the events on television. With everything that I had witnessed as a child growing up in Romania for the first 10 years and all the history my family had been made aware of, I'm not surprised that I'm so passionately obsessed with pursuing freedom. As I mentioned in previous chapters, I am nowhere near being a social or political activist. Instead, I mind my own business, learn from history, pay attention to patterns and markers that might tell me history will repeat itself, even in places like Canada. And I generally tend to look for the loopholes or mechanisms that allow me to legally maximize my levels of freedom, starting with how I earn a living. Romanian communism was tolerated very well by the citizens of that country from 1945 till about mm, 1978. Everyone (laughs) was equally poor. They really didn't own anything. They did have a job. Their kids went to school and they were generally safe. They could not go anywhere, but they were safe. As long as they kept their thoughts to themselves and only did things that benefited the greater good. But something interesting happened in 1978. The Romanian dictator took a trip to visit another communist dictator friend of his, 
the leader of North Korea at the time. That man is the grandfather or was the grandfather of the communist leader of North Korea today. The Romanian dictator took this trip to North Korea and observed how much more power and control the North Korean dictator had over its people. When he returned to Romania, he imposed food rations, curbed electricity usage, television consumption, and enforced anti-religious rules. It also didn't help that the Romanian Communist Party had informants and party members everywhere reporting what their family, friends, neighbors, even co-workers would have to say about the government specifically. If there was dissent towards this communist regime, the dictator would hear about it and pass down punishment through his political police, securitate, which essentially means security, national security. I was told by Romanians much older than me that before this time in 1978, things were not precisely as democratic as in other countries, but everyone in Romania wasn't really suffering or starving previously like they were after 1978. The removal Okay, the removal of certain freedoms, including the right to earn a living through private business, the inability to go anywhere and travel, and the imposing of food rations to a highly educated population who knew that food was not scarce, caused the revolution. Romania was a, the perfect example of limiting the earning power and movement and making food and private housing highly inaccessible due to high inflation rates and low supply. A perfect example recently has been Cuba and Venezuela. As a result, most people in Romania revolted. Others voted with their, their feet instead and emigrated to Western Europe, North America, or even Australia. The slow death of the Canadian dream. If anything I had witnessed in Canada has the markings of a socialist communist regime, it lacks a business-friendly environment. I would have disagreed with myself more than eight years ago. And why not? Our business was going great. We were unaware of others who wasn't, and you won't agree with me fully until you see it happen to you or someone close to you. And that's with anything in life. Of course, Canada's nowhere near Romania or where North Korea was. I would never imply such a thing. But there are specific patterns and qualities I see emerging in the Canadian business landscape, including government-imposed mandates on businesses that when looked at through the lenses of a business person or an entrepreneur, these markings scream a little bit like communist mentality. It's not that you can't operate a successful business in Canada. It's that there's way too much red tape and bureaucracy compared to our American neighbors. And when you add on global pandemics, rising inflation rates, and the fact that more than 50% of what Canadians import to sell to one another and trade comes from the United States, you would think it would be easier to run a business in Canada. But I can tell you from personal experience that when you start operating businesses in the 10 plus million dollars a year range in Canada, especially the ones highly dependent on human capital, the Canadian bureaucracy hits your business a little different. Of course, Canada is still one of the best countries in the world, at least for now, where you can start and grow a successful company or business easier than in most places mostly easier than in 99% of places. But something about how business owners have been made to feel during the pandemic by our country's leadership tells me Canada is about to have its own version of a revolution, this time in the business sector. And even though it's relatively more accessible and easier to conduct business in Canada than it is in most places in the world, it's not even close to the business freedom that the United States affords its citizens and even the foreigners, Canadians like us. As I'm writing this book, 
I'm discovering articles from recent months that have to do with monetary policy as it involves foreign investments into Canada's real estate sector and things are not looking good. When you combine these policies of saying no to foreign investments with unfriendly business mandates and basic income programs, you start heading down a dangerous road where money circulating inside the country becomes harder to come by. More and more policies that hurt small businesses and their owners will be passed down in the interest of the quote unquote national good. I don't believe this will stop. These patterns I recognize in the Canadian landscape had pushed me and motivated me to begin the process of starting businesses in the United States years before Canadian business hardships became apparent. Some will blame the pandemic, but I do believe the global pandemic is simply an excuse to slowly march a very robust and acid-rich Canadian population towards financial poverty. I'm going to repeat that again. Some will blame the pandemic, but I do believe the global pandemic is simply an excuse to slowly march a very robust and asset-rich Canadian population towards financial poverty. I will not march on the streets of Canada, and I will not protest and stand in the way of the elected leaders who choose to do this. I won't even stand in, in the way of people that want to protest it. All I can do is take the Canadian dream I have been living and upgrade it to the only place better suited for me and mine, and that is in the United States. If you feel the same and notice similar things, I hope you go all in on yourself and do the same thing I did. If nothing else, I know I'll be making my grandfathers proud.